not a lozenge. Turn to the book of Isaiah. This will be a short one today. I only have one sheet. Of course, I don't know, you know, <clears throat> pastor was always complaining that I preached a long time, but you know something? He's catching up with me. <laughs> this passage of scripture, I don't know, it's something that God just, when pastor wanted me to preach for him, this is what he laid upon my heart. It's very intense. Starts off by saying, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the thong tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, and tell this people, Hear ye, ye indeed, but understand not, and see indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have moved men far away, and there be a great forsakening in the midst of the land. But yet, in it shall be a tenth, and shall return, and shall be eaten, as teal tree, and as an oak, whose substance is in them, when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege once again. And I ask, Lord, that you give us grace this morning. 
Help me, Heavenly Father, because I cannot do this without your help. I ask, Heavenly Father, you hide me behind the cross of Calvary and that you use my mouth and my mind. Heavenly Father, you be glorified in what's said and done. Lord, I pray that it might touch hearts this morning. There are some, Heavenly Father, that have never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. They have a pretense of religiosity, but yet they've never trusted the saving power of Jesus Christ. There are some, Heavenly Father, that are still living in disobedience. They haven't uh, uh, obeyed, yielded themselves to you. I pray for each one of those. There's others, Heavenly Father, that may be discouraged this morning. I pray that you encourage them. Heavenly Father, your will be done in this message this morning. And we be careful to give you praise and honor and glory for everything that's said and done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the year Uzziah died. Now, if you read, if you, if you're reading through your uh, your Bible in the Old Testament, um, Uzziah he had another name. His name was Azariah also, and uh, you can find it in Second Kings the 15th chapter, and in Second Chronicles the 26th chapter, and in Second uh, uh, well, in Second Chronicles the 26th chapter tells about what Uzziah did. Uzziah was a was a fairly good king. As a matter of fact, when we look at what he did, when he started off, he, he did a lot of good things. Okay. He was prosperous. He was a good king. But something happened to him. Something happened that happens to a lot of people. He got away from the Lord. Many times, God blesses us, and we rejoice in the blessings, but over a process of time, we begin looking at other things. And we get our eyes off of the Lord. And that's what happened to Uzziah. And we find that uh, it tells us that he waxed proud. And one day Uzziah went in and he tried to invade what the priests were doing. And he tried to take over their job, which he wasn't supposed to do. And the priests stopped him. He says, no, you can't do that. It's not lawful for you to come into this temple and offer incense. That's our job. Your job is to be king. Our job is to be the priest. And Uzziah got mad at him, stormed out. And because of his proudness, God smote him with leprosy. The Bible tells us in, in 2 Chronicles, the 26th chapter, verse number 22, as he was leaving the temple, that the leprosy came upon him. And he was a leopard for the rest of his life, and he died a leopard. Because of pride, Uzziah sinned against God and was smitten with leprosy and no longer able to rule effectively, effectively because he had to live separate from the people. Judah fell back into idolatry and they lost the blessings of God all because of one man got his eyes off of God. You know, that can happen today. That can happen right here in this church. One person can get their eyes off of God and stop doing what God tells them to do. And because of that, they go down a path that there is no return. And because of that, the whole congregation can follow. When self is on the throne, and that's what Uzziah was. He was on the throne, but it was self. 
It wasn't God for the glory. It was self, Uzziah. And because self was on the throne, God's protection, God's direction, and God's blessings were removed. Withdrawn. And that can happen today. That can happen right here in this congregation. It can happen with you. It can happen with me. It can happen with our pastor. That's why we need to pray for him and constantly pray for him that God will keep him straight, keep him preaching the word of God. And so far, he's been doing a pretty good job. Amen? Okay? But we need to pray for him. We need to pray for each other. I need your help week in and week out. I teach the adult class on Sunday morning. I need your help. You need to pray for me. You need to pray that I will be able to get the things out of the Word of God that God has for us, that we can understand it, and that I can give it out. You need to pray for me so that I stay straight with God. And you need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. Because any one of us can get our eyes off of the Lord and start down a path that leads to destruction. And when that happens, the whole congregation is hurt. When a brother or sister falls into sin, usually what happens, they fall into sin and they stop coming. Okay? That hurts all of us. That hurts every one of us. And maybe we just didn't spend enough time praying for them, praying that God would keep them straight. So Isaiah, as he's going about his ministry, he says, I saw... Um, it says, in the, in, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. You know, before we could see the Lord on his throne high and lifted up, we've got to die to self. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with that because I like me. Do you like you? I like me. And sometimes me wants to do some things that me knows that they shouldn't be doing. And the only way that I can stop it is I have to say, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Two or three times a year, I get this infliction. Now, I don't have a cold. I'm not running a temperature. I'm not contagious. But what has happened, because the temperature has changed, my sinuses start dripping. Now, when my sinuses drip, they drip back down my throat, down into my lungs. And so I have to cough up phlegm and, you know, blow my nose a dozen times a day, cough up more phlegm, and um, it's, it, it's, it's an ugly thing. And I, and I hate that. Okay? Um, and to be perfectly honest... I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you something. I didn't want to come to church today. I didn't feel good. I, I don't sleep very well when this is happening. As a matter of fact, I have to sleep sitting up. <laughs> Excuse me. I have to sleep sitting up because when I lay down, it fills up and I can't breathe. So I have to, so I have to go in the other room and get me a bunch of pillows and sit sitting up all night long. And you know, it's a wonderful thing to wake up at three o'clock in the morning.
and say, oh, what's going on? And then try to go back to sleep. And then about an hour and a half later, you wake up again because the stuff has gone down into the lungs and you start coughing and it wakes you up. And this happens starting on, starting on, did you, how many of you had a hard time this past week getting the days straight? We had the memorial service on, on Monday and um, it was a good service. God was glorified. Uh, we went home and it felt like Sunday again. So when Tuesday came, Tuesday was Monday. But Tuesday wasn't Monday. Uh, we went to church Tuesday night. So Tuesday became Wednesday. <laughs> and when Wednesday came around, it was Thursday. And I don't know what happened to Thursday. I had to keep asking, well, is today Thursday or is it Friday? But sometime in that time span, I started coming down with this. And so for several nights, I've not, I've not got a lot of sleep. I did not feel like going to church. But you know something? Several reasons why I said, I've got to go to church. And it wasn't because I was preaching, because that's the number one thing, because I was preaching today. But I said, I've got to go to church because I'm vertical, I'm mobile, I may not be completely well, I may not feel good, I, you know, I may not have all the energy and drive that I would normally have, but I belong in church. I belong with the other believers. I need to show them where I stand. There was an old man who could not hear and could not talk. But every Sunday, he took his Bible and he'd walk to church. And a man stopped him one day, wrote out a thing. How come you go to church? You can't hear the sermon. You can't hear the singing. You can't sing along with them. Why do you go to church? And the man wrote on there, so people know whose side I'm on. There's times I don't feel well. This old body, and some of, some of you know what I'm talking about, once we reach that biblical age, it seems like it's all downhill. There's times I don't feel like coming to church, but as long as I can get up and as long as I can be mobile, I show up. There are some exceptions, but most of the time, I'm there. We've got to die to self. And we can't see the Lord. And notice what it says here. Isaiah said he saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Isaiah was confronted with a holy God. It has been said on many times with many sermons that we've lost the awe of our God and how true that is. We've gotten to the point where we don't see God as God anymore. We see him as uh, 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 you know, someone that we can go to and get things from him. But we don't see him high and lifted up. Our God is high and lifted up above the earth, above all things. Our God is majestic. And it says that his train filled the temple. In other words, he filled everything. God is sovereign. He's the king of kings. And he's holy. The angels, uh, the seraphims, these are angels. And these are special angels. They're called seraphims, and it means burning ones. So they're, on, they're, on, they're, they're a flame. 
They're a flame. And they, and they hover around, and they've got six pairs uh, or three pairs of, of wings. And they have two of them that covers their feet and two of them that covers their face and two of them that helps them to fly through the heavens. And their message is God is holy, holy, holy. And my friends, God is still holy, holy, holy. And we need to see him as such. And I'm afraid so many times, I know in my life, and I know it's got to be in your life, because you're made out of the same things that I'm made of. Oh, I need to see God as a holy God. As a sovereign God. A God that's in control. We get the idea or the picture that God's just an old man sitting up there with a thunderbolt, and every time we step out of line, he goes, got him. <laughs> no, he's a holy, righteous God but he's in control of this world. And Isaiah saw him as that. And he saw the angels. And they cried out, holy, holy, holy. Three times. Three times. Now there are some commentators that said, well, it's three times because it's the God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy, and the Holy Ghost. But I don't think that's why they said it three times. I think they said it three times to show how important it is to see our God as holy, holy, holy. And after he saw God that way, notice what it said. He made a confession. And this is what he said. Then said I, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, and mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He said, Woe is me. I've got a feeling that if we could see God as holy as He is, and who He is, holy and just and sovereign, I think we would have to say the same thing. Isaiah recognized his sinful condition. And he says, oh, woe is me. Woe is me. I am undone. I have no strength in myself. I have no strength of myself. I cannot live for God on my own. I need Jesus' help day in and day out to do what God wants me to do. And so do you. We need the Lord Jesus Christ to be with us day in and day out to make the right choices, to make the right decisions, uh, to use the wisdom that God has for us. We need Him, but we can't get those things unless we see our God as holy, holy, holy. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. And folks, we live in a land of people of unclean lips. We need to get a vision of our God. We need to see him high and lifted up. We need to see the train fill the temple. We need to see him fill 
this auditorium. We need to see him fill our lives. We need to see him as he is. And we need to cry out, oh God, woe is me for I am unclean. And I live in the midst of unclean people. And I need your forgiveness. We see what happened. Then one of the seraphims said unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. When we get to that point in our lives where we see God the way he is, and we see us the way we are, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the scripture says, there's n- the, uh, therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. When we understand that we cannot do anything to get right with God other than confess our sin to him and trust him to purge us from that sin. When we get to that point, then he cleanses us with our sins. And our sin is purged and is taken away. Now we'll be fit for the master's use. Every one of us in this room has a talent or an ability and God wants to use it. But there's some of us that just aren't fit for the master's use because we haven't seen our God high and holy up yet. Matter of fact, we haven't seen King Uzziah die yet. He's still, we're still on the throne. We haven't died yet. We haven't seen the Lord lifted up. We haven't come to the conclusion that we're living in, uh, uh, that we ourselves are unclean and we're living in an unclean society and we can't do anything about it. We haven't come to that point yet. There's some of you out there that are living in disobedience because you haven't obeyed God. You haven't put him first in your life. Some of you haven't taken that step of obedience in in baptism, and that's something you need to do. Some of you, you know, you haven't taken that step of obedience and started to give of the substance that God has given you. Some of you haven't taken that step of obedience of, of being the witness that you should be. Some of you don't put the things of God first. And that's what has to be. God has to be first in my life. He has to be first in your life. And he's not. And when he's not, we can't be used of God the way God wants to use us. Because of Uzziah's sin, he was no longer being able to be used of God. And because he was no longer being able to be used of God, his nation fell back into sin. Well, we get out and see what happens. Isaiah saw the Lord. He recognized his sinful condition. The angels came and purged it away. Now he's ready to be served. Now he's ready to go into God's service, God's call. Verse number eight, he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Has God put a claim on your life? 
Has God said who will go for us to you? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you got to the point in your life where you, you see God as He is and you see His holiness and His goodness and His justice and His supremeness and His sovereignty and you get, and you get your heart where it's in tune with what God has you to be, He'll reveal things to you. He says to Isaiah, who will go for us? Who can we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. He was to that point in his life now where he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. And so we see the message. I won't go over the message, but he told Isaiah to go and preach. And he says, these people will hear. Um, that can really be depressing sometimes as a preacher. Pastor and I have talked about this. Sometimes it's so depressing when we preach the word of God and tell people what they need to do, what they need in their lives because they're having problems in their lives. And we, we give them the solution out of God's word and they don't take it. I think the hardest thing there is is somebody comes. Uh, we had someone come a couple of weeks ago. And he, he didn't want to, he, he wanted to go to heaven. He didn't want to, you know, he wanted to know God. And I sat down and showed him in the word of God that he was a sinner, that he needed to trust Jesus Christ to save him, that it was a free gift. And the only way that he could get to heaven is trusting Jesus Christ. And he rejected it. He says, no, not now. Wow, that hurts. Sometimes a pastor get up and preach a message that God has laid upon his heart to preach. And as he's preaching, now, he doesn't design the messages around you, okay? Even though it may seem that way, he doesn't design the messages around you. He designs the messages the way God tells him to do it. And it's God that's directing that. But I know that, I know that as he's preaching, he's thinking, of folks out there in the congregation. And he's thinking, so-and-so needs this, and so-and-so needs this, and so-and-so needs this, and so-and-so. And Brother Whiteside really needs this. And then nothing happens. We get up, we sing the hymn, we walk out, and nothing has changed. Why? Because we haven't seen our God high and lifted up. <coughs> and he tells Isaiah, go and preach to these people. Their eyes are going to be dim, their ears are going to be plugged up so that they don't hear the message and they're not going to be converted. And he asks the question, how long? How long do I do this? How long do I serve God? And the answer was, the Lord uh, says, until the cities be wasted without inhabitants and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. In other words, if we want to put it in the real uh, easy things to understand, God is saying, you keep on keeping on until I come and take you out of here. How long do we serve God? How long do we obey him? 
How long do we let him have control in our lives? How long do we give a message out to folks that Jesus saves? How long do we do it? We do it until the Lord takes us out of here. That's how long we do it. That's how long we do it. There have been times when I have gotten, you know, Pastor talks about a time when he got discouraged and he was up here. Pastors get discouraged. I don't know if you knew that or not, but they get discouraged. There's been times I've been discouraged, Pastor. There's been times I wanted to just quit because things aren't going my way. I can't stop. I made a decision to serve God over 50 years ago. I made a decision to preach His Word over 50 years ago. The last, the, the time that was the main time was when I was at teen camp. And we had, I made a decision up at teen camp. I will be whatever God wants me to be and I will serve in any capacity that God wants me to serve. Since then, I've been the pastor, assistant pastor, principal of a school, teacher. I've had a bus ministry. I've taught junior boys. I've taught junior church. I've done everything in the church except for nursery, and that's just not going to work. And there's been times I've gotten discouraged, and I say, now I'm going to quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. Nobody appreciates me. And I said that, and, and, and God speaks to your heart and said, you can't. You can't quit because you're still here. you still got blood flowing through your veins. You still have some energy. You still have sinew on your, on your, on your arms and your feet. You may not be able to do what you used to do, but you can do something for me. You can keep on keeping on until either I take you um, through death or I come home or, or come in the sky and, and take you up that way, which I would prefer, by the way, uh, to go that way. But he says, you keep on, you keep on. Isaiah's commission was to tell the people he was to be faithful. He was to be dependable. He was to be consistent, and he was to be fervent of what he was doing. Now, I ask you this morning, are you faithful? Are you faithful to the things of God? Are you faithful to church? The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but even more as you see the day approaching. The Bible tells us we need to be in church every time the doors are open. Now, I realize there's times that you can't. There's times where sickness won't, won't allow you to go. There's times when work won't allow you to go. But just because there's a football game going doesn't mean that you can stay home from church or a basketball game or a baseball game or just because you want to go fishing on the weekend or something. You, you came in and you were tired. You should have thought of that. Are you faithful? Are you faithful with your tithes and offering? Are you faithful about following the Lord and believers' baptism? Are you faithful at reading your Bible? Are you faithful at praying? Are you faithful at praying for each other? Are you faithful? We find in, in, in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, it says that a man, that, that, that we're stewards. We're stewards of the mysteries of God. And it's required of stewards that a man be found faithful. 
If you can't do anything else, you can be faithful. You could do something for the Lord. I've used this illustration many times because it's a good one. Mrs. Apple. Mrs. Apple was a, excuse me, it's coming. Mrs. Apple was an elderly lady whose body was crippled up because of arthritis. Mrs. Apple, when we were uh, at um, church up in Palmdale, Mrs. Apple was never able to come to church. She was almost bedridden. She could barely get out of bed. She couldn't, couldn't go places. But that woman was more faithful than some of the members of my church. When I'd go down and sit down with her to, to pay all of her bills at the, at the beginning of the month, she said, now, Pastor, my tithe comes first. Got to pay the tithe first. And she didn't have a whole lot of tithing. She didn't have a whole lot of money. But that came first. So I'd write the... And I felt, I felt bad. I really did. I'm writing out, you know, whatever the tithe was for that. And it wasn't much. But I, I really felt bad. You know, here I am and I'm taking this money from... But then on the other hand, I thought, well, you know, she's got the right attitude. God comes first. Tithe went first. And I would talk to her. And you know what? She said, I prayed for you today. I prayed for the church today. I prayed for the congregation today. She would take the phone book and go through the phone book and she would pray for every person in, she prayed for everybody in Palmdale. She prayed for them. Some of them she called and told them, I'm praying for you because Jesus loves you. She couldn't come to church, but she was faithful. She was faithful at what she could do and she did it with all of her might for the glory of God. Are you faithful? Are you dependable? Dependable. What is depending? Being dependable. Can God depend on you? That's what we need is some dependable people. Are you consistent? Are you consistent? Or are you one of these that are, boy, you're on fire for God today, Sunday, you're here in the church, Oh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and next Sunday, you're not. You're something else. I had a young man in Bible college that uh, tried to help him out by giving him a, a job to help us in the bus ministry when we were in Palmdale. Uh, that was kind of an unusual thing. That was in 1770, uh, 1776. It wasn't quite that long ago. <laughs> 1976. And um, uh, we wanted to start... <clears throat> matter of fact, God did some marvelous things. Uh, when I went up there, I drove through... And if, if you're ever up in the high desert, you'll know what I'm talking about. I drove through a place that's called Pear Blossom. And there's nothing there but tumbleweeds. And it kind of gets in the borders part of Palmdale. Now, it's grown since then because this was back in the 70s. But I, we, we drove through there, and I said, what a God-forsaken place. Man, I'd never go here to preach. Don't ever say you would not do something for God. Within six months, I was the pastor of a little church that was there. The church ran 15 in Sunday school. Their highest attendance was 90. They had 15 on one Sunday, 90 on the next Sunday, and the following Sunday they had 17. I said, what happened? And they said, well, we had a clown Sunday. 
and we had a whole bunch of kids here. They only ran about 15. They met, they rented the Seventh-day Adventist building. And uh, we would have on one side, we would have Sabbath school, 65. And on the other side, we would have Sunday school, 15. We had, for, for $100 a month, we had the full run of the entire facility. But when you only have 15 people, you know, you don't need all that. Uh, I had one man in the church. That's all. There were women and children, one man. They had never in the existence of the church paid their pastor a living salary. And as a result, they had gone through five pastors in about six to seven years. They would go up, he couldn't make it, and that would be it. Eh, they, they called us as pastor. Go, oh no, Lord, in this desert, this God-forsaken desert, and this is where you want me to go? Oh no. But I said, no, that's what you want me to do. That's what I'll do. And they said, Pastor, we're going to do something that's unusual. We're going to pay you a salary. I go, oh, really? And they did. It wasn't a lot. It was, I think, $150 uh, a week, which back in the 70s wasn't bad. We, had, uh, we started growing. God began to bless. Souls were beginning to get saved. We had some families that would, went to uh, uh, Brother Rasmussen's church. They lived in Acton, brother, and, um, which is just right outside of Palmdale. And they heard about the church, and they came, and uh, they joined the church, and he became my youth pastor. And we were beginning to get teenagers to come in and kids coming in. We had all sorts of things. We had a goldfish Sunday. And uh, the loser had to swallow a goldful. So I made sure that I wasn't the loser. Uh, and uh, all sorts of different things. We began to grow. Before long, we had Sabbath school, 65. We had Sunday school, 70. Sabbath school, 65. They came to us and they said, well, we're going to double your rent. And you can only use the auditorium in one classroom. So at that point, the folks says, you know, we need our own building. And I says, well, we need some faithful people, some dependable people, some consistent people before we get a building. Do we have that? And we prayed, and God gave us a building. And... Uh, our first Sunday, when we moved into that building, we had 120 present. Souls getting saved. There were some people that were faithful, people that were dependable. I could trust them. But I had this one guy. We started a bus ministry. Uh, we didn't have a bus, but we started one. And we prayed. And a guy that I'd led to the Lord came in. And there was a, a friend of ours said, we've got a bus from our church. We're going to sell it. It's going to cost $1,100. I said, we don't have the money. I presented it to the church. This guy walks up and gave me a check for $1,100. For $1 he says, go buy that bus. So we got the bus. We had another man in the church decided that he would paint it. He painted it, guess, red, white, and blue. We filled it up. They said, we need another bus. We had another bus come up, and uh, we were able to get it for $200. 
They got it, brought it in there, fixed it all up, and he painted it. Guess what color? Red, white, and blue. And um, we had a lot that we were able to do because people were faithful, they were dependable, they were consistent, and they were fervent. So what are you? Are you faithful? Are you dependable? Are you consistent? Are you fervent? You can't have these attributes if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can be religious, and there's a lot of religious people out there. You could be religious. You could believe in God, but the Bible says that angels believe in God and tremble. You can do good things, but good things doesn't get you to heaven. You could have a, you could have assimilation of these four attributes, faithfulness, dependable, consistent, and fervent. But unless they're bathed in salvation, they mean nothing. You need to be saved. The Bible tells all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it also tells us it's appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. And my friends, that's something that we cannot avoid. We cannot avoid that. That's an appointment that everyone in this room will meet someday. And when it's your time, there's nothing on the face of this earth that can stop it from happening because it's an appointment with God Almighty and you will face him. And you might say, hey, well, I was a good person. I paid my taxes. I didn't beat my wife. I didn't kick the dog. I was a pretty good person. It's not going to cut it. Unless you can say with all my heart, I know I'm a sinner and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior to forgive me of my sins. I trusted him and him alone. Unless you can say that, you will not be able to enter into heaven. You will not be able to see loved ones that have gone before you. You will not be able to see the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever. You need to be saved. You need today, you need to get a vision of the Lord high and lifted up as Christians, we need to get a vision of the Lord high and lifted up. We need to be like the angels, the seraphims. We need to see him as holy, holy, holy.